Today we come to commemorate and remember uh, that fateful day, uh, September 11, 2001. Where were you? We all remember, don't we, when we first heard that news? 2,977 Americans died that day. And it seems kind of like a milestone into this terror-filled world that... uh, we still live in with ISIS and all the other competing countries. Well, we want to remember that today. First, I'd like all the uh, first responders to stand up, current and retired. First responders, any firemen, policemen, EMTs? Okay. And, uh, thank them. Let's just have a moment of silence and then I'll pray. We come to you, Father, today to remember those who died that day. And more importantly, to remember the wife, the husband, the son, the daughter, the grandfather, the grandmother who lost a loved one that day. And this is still probably a very painful day for them, even 15 years later. And I pray that you would... uh, Give them a very unique type of comfort today. I know probably many people have come to you, uh, come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the good news that he has saved us, and we just have to accept that. But if they haven't, Lord, I pray that they would, that you would just uh, bring something very good out of this terrible thing that's happened to them. Lord, we want to thank you for the men who stood and the other people in our community, uh, our fire departments and police departments and many other agencies that uh, they, they put their life on the line every day for us. Really, uh, you know, when we see one, we shouldn't slow down. We should do that too, but <laughs> you know, we should thank them. We should thank them whenever we get a chance for their service to us. In Christ's name, amen. All right. Why don't you guys take out your program? And there's a communication slip that you can rip off there. And we'd love everyone to fill that out, even though you started 20 years ago here. (laughs) Just fill that out. Put your name down. And if you have any prayer requests, well, we have a strong prayer team that is wanting to pray for you. So write that prayer request down, and this will be uh, collected at the end of the service. One of the things we have going on is that uh, we have our 20th anniversary celebration coming up next week. Uh, It's going to be great. I hope you guys are thinking of who you're inviting. In fact, we'll talk about that after the message a little bit. Uh, encouraging you uh, in that way. In fact, we're going to actually have you bring your cards forward during this last song that we're going to have after the message. I always ask you to put them along the stage here. We're on the board, but there's not much more room there uh, because we want this to be a very special day in the history of Springbrook. And we want to give God all the glory for everything that he has done. We also have uh, our first serve uh, orientation. If you look at the, uh, well, I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> okay, if you look at the first serve survey, and what you'll see there is all the different ministry opportunities that we have here at Springbrook. And again, you can read uh, the brochure basically says, hey, if you want to try something out, you can try something out once 
And if you don't like it, you can try another ministry out. We had our ministry fair uh, recently, and uh, it was just a great time uh, seeing all of the different ways that we can encourage people uh, through serving. Also, uh, we have our picnic, and we are in need of people to help out. So maybe this is your first step or your next step in uh, serving the body of Christ here, but need people for set up, clean up, uh, cooking <laughs> the burgers. Uh, so that would be a great way for you to say, hey, yeah, I want to do that. So stop by the picnic table back there, and they would love to help you out. This also is the beginning of our small group enrollment, and Pastor Rich will be speaking today on uh, their trip to India. We'll tell you uh, more about that. We're going to have our uh, junior high and senior high teens stay in the service because uh, this is a wonderful thing that we want to share with you about what they experienced in India. You take a moment and stand. Take a moment and stand and greet one another. What do you think? Huh? I know. Seven days. Eric Runk and I walked around. We had we were in Nepal and India, and, and uh, this is a little prayer shawl, and I think this just keeps us off my head. I don't have any hair up there, so that's how I was using it. I don't know what their purpose was, but it kept me from getting sunburned. <laughs> and this is where I kept all my important documents. And so now that you've seen it, I'm going to take it off. <laughs> it's scratchy and it's itchy and it hurts my head. You know, it's such a uh, blessing uh, for us to be able to spend some time in uh, Nepal, in uh, India, just uh, looking at uh, where God's at work. And uh, we had an absolute uh, unbelievable time. And so I'm going to try and pack uh, seven days, 500 pictures, and some indescribable movements of God to you in about 25 minutes. (laughs) So why don't we just uh, commit our time to prayer this morning? Uh, Father, I just want to thank you for your word. I thank you for its life-transforming power. I thank you for the opportunity we have to be a part of your plan, uh, drawing a world, a lost world, into a relationship with yourself through your son. And uh, God, we just come in our time to you this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be a part of your work in our Judea, Samaria, uh, all the way to the very ends of the earth. God, thank you for that uh, opportunity to be partners there. And we lift our time up to you for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, it seems like just yesterday we were packing. I can't believe... Two months has gone by, but uh, man, I tell you, time has just uh, flown. Um, we have uh, had an opportunity to, um, as a part of our disciple-driven initiative, to be a part of supporting the work uh, in India. And so Acts 1.8 is a passage um, that has kind of undergirded our work. Acts 1.8 says this, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. And so India and Nepal are our very ends of the earth, right? You know, typically when we look at this passage, we focus on the ability to be witnesses. Our power comes from the Holy Spirit working in us, and we have the opportunity to be witnesses, to share Christ with others around us in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the of the earth. And that's usually the focus of this passage. But I want to talk to you about one word that's in there that we sometimes kind of skip over, and that's the word power. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Everyone say power with me. One, two, three. Power. Yeah, so is that... Uh, you know, I think one of the issues that we experience in the, in the church today is there's just the lack of power. We come into a, 
an intellectual relationship with Christ. We talk about God the Father a lot. It can be difficult for us to talk about Jesus Christ with people. But then there's the Holy Spirit. We just finished up a great series on the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough, but that's the source of our power. It's the same power that spoke existence into creation. It's the same thing that breathes life where there was no life. We have power available to us. Say power. Power. That's not the kind of power we have. Everybody stand up. (laughs) I want you to, at the top of your lungs, okay, scream power when I count to three. One, two, three. Power! That's the kind of power we have. You can sit down. (laughs) You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and then you'll be my witnesses. And so we need to tap into that power. We need to be asking God to fill us with his spirit. That power is the same word that we use to get our English word dynamite. It comes from the Greek word dynamos. Dynamite, power, explosion. And that's the power that's available to us. And that's what we see when God's at work in a tangible way in the life of believers. That's not a passive faith that we're a part of. It's a life-transforming faith that changes lives, changes communities and cultures and countries. It's that power is available to us. And when we were walking through Nepal and India for seven days, we saw where God was doing some amazing work. This is kind of what our trip looked like. Uh, we started off in Nepal. We did some training with district leaders in Pauls. Um, we brought up a lot of equipment uh, to show the Jesus video project throughout the country. And then we worked with church plants, training centers, and visits. And then we went down to India. We had an opportunity to see a training center that we were a part of uh, seeing start. And then we saw some church plants and some training centers. And then we went to go see our TTI office. And so we packed all of that into seven days. But it started with uh, visiting the district leaders in Nepal's. And so there's a little video that's going to kind of play while I share with you. But it was funny because when I showed up at this district leader meeting, uh, Eric and I were there. Uh, John Pushparaj joined us in India. But when we were in Nepal, um, I walked into the trainer meeting and there was a guy, uh, we were looking at each other. His name was Bishwa. And uh, I remembered him from two years ago. And so I was like, hey, good to see you. And so um, it was interesting. It was really fun to talk to him because when I met him, um, he was just, uh, he was a Timothy. And so he was just starting a church, but now he was a Paul, which means he started at least 10 other churches. And so it was really good to kind of connect with him. Just in the two years since I had met him, he'd been a part of seeing multiple churches start. So we got a good chance to connect with him. And, and we spent some time at the district leaders. Primarily what happens is we get all the leaders together. Uh, it happens uh, several times during the year. But TTI pulls all these leaders together. And they do vision casting and training and support and encouragement. And so when we come together, there's district leader meetings. It's an opportunity for us to share, uh, to kind of be a part of their training. And so I had an opportunity to teach one of the work sessions on the importance of when Jesus calls his disciples to be with him, the importance of what it means to have a relationship with Christ and how that needs to undergird your ministry. And so I had an opportunity to teach and we broke up into work groups, and, and then different pastors and leaders from different churches had an opportunity to teach as well. So it was just a, a day and a half, almost two days of just training and encouragement and working with these different um, leaders. We brought um, uh, some Jesus films with us, and so we, had to, uh, we got to do some training with them. It was really interesting, though, because um, you know, one of the things that, was, that we talked about was uh, just their heart for reaching different people groups. You know, I think in the, in the U.S. we think about and our goal is to try to save as many people as possible. And it's not an issue of just trying to save as many people as possible. We, we need to save people of different ethnoses, people of different groups and, and different people. And so there was different people groups represented there. In fact, in Revelation, uh, when, you're talking, when you see the vision for what it looks like when, when you, uh, the angels appear and you get this glimpse into heaven, John writes this, After I looked, behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and languages, they were standing before the throne, before the Lamb. They were clothed with white robes, palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so we see from every nation, from every tribe, and from every people, and with all different languages, are represented at the throne of God. And so it's not just about saving people and helping people to understand their need for a relationship with Christ here in the U.S., or our Huntley area, our region area. But it's about saving people and helping people to understand their need for Christ across the globe. And so the mandate to make disciples is not just something that we do here. We want to see that throughout the world. A lot of times I talk to people about missions. It's like, well, why are you going over there? 
We've got plenty of people here that need to be saved. We shouldn't be investing our time there. Well, that would be unbiblical because it is not just about what God's doing here. It's about what God's doing throughout this village, this city, this region, this state, this country, and across the globe. We need to be reaching people from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. And while we were there, this next picture, we had, we had there was 13 people that were at this regional leaders gathering. There was 30 different languages and dialogues spoke with these leaders that were here. These 13 people all came from a region where there was a different language or a different dialect or a different tribe, and they are the only believers in that area. This is an unreached people group. And not only is it an unreached people group, it's an unengaged people group because in every single one of their regions, there is not one church. Not one. These people came to a relationship with Christ. Somebody took them through the material. They've been trained. They have, a, they have people that are, they're working with, that they're praying with. And, and each one of those 13 is praying about leaving this meeting and going back and starting a church in their region. And we get to be a part of that. So we had an opportunity to talk with them and train them and pray for them. It was absolutely fantastic. You know, the other thing that we did while we were there is Eric and I had brought um, some video equipment over with us. And so we had a projector. And then it was a little video pack. And uh, it has a little screen you pop up. And it's got this little video thing. It's charges. It's got the movie built right into it. And they, they show the Jesus video uh, throughout these different parts of the areas. And so after the training was over, and they passed out these video packs. And so it was funny because when we were coming through customs, um, that was something Eric and I were really praying about. Um, when you go into Nepal and India, uh, in fact, the uh, material that was shipped into India is still stuck in customs today because it, uh, it's been uh, tagged as Christian propaganda. And so but we were able to get our stuff through customs. One of the guys that was with us actually got stopped by a customs guy. He was looking at his tag, and he wasn't letting him pass. He said, well, you know, uh, for $10, I'll let you get through. <laughs> so so uh, for one guy, it cost him 10 bucks to get it through. But, you know, God just kind of went before Eric and I, and we got these videos and all this <laughs> equipment through. And then at the district leaders meeting, at that pause meeting, they were able to pass out that equipment. And uh, each one of these leaders will then let, let these different church planters use the material to show these videos. And so after the training was over, we actually went to one of the churches. And um, Eric and I, were they were still learning how to set all this equipment up. So we set this screen up. And, uh, you know, we were watching the video, and the people that were in this church had invited all their neighbors that didn't have a relationship with Christ, that had questions about God, to come see this. And so what happened is, is we show this video, and we have people in this training center in this church, and they have invited all their friends, and we're sitting here watching this video. It tells the story of creation, a story about who God is and how to have a relationship with Christ. And in this next picture, you can see there's a picture of these people are sitting here, this is the story of the crucifixion, and, and half of the people in this room have never heard about who Jesus Christ is. You know, we talk about Jesus in our country. Most people in our area know who Jesus is. These people are hearing about Jesus for the very first time through this video. And so then after the video was over, we had an opportunity. We sat and we prayed, and, and we had different presenters. And so people would come up to us and would ask questions, and we'd explain, and we talked, and we prayed for people. It was just unbelievable. Going back to that last slide, back up one. We went to, uh, next morning, we had a church service at one of the training centers. This is a mega church in India, or in Nepal. So, so we have, uh, we have uh, just probably, uh, probably 50, 60 people there. And, and so we had an opportunity at one training center um, to be a part of their church service there. And so Eric got to share, and I got to teach. And so it was fantastic. This next uh, slide, you can see a little picture of Eric and I up there teaching. At the end of my message, um, uh, God just kind of prompted me if, if anybody uh, wants to have a relationship with Christ, um, you know, pray. And, and so we had uh, two people came up after the service. This little gal came up and um, she had had a friend that had invited her to the church service. And she said, you know, my friend has been talking about how to have a relationship with Christ. How do I do that? I was like, so we prayed. And then the pastor came up and they started talking to her about her baptism. And she's already been baptized. And it was just fantastic to be a part of. And so then after that, we did some home church visits. We went to different churches. And uh, we drove all throughout Nepal visiting church plants, different training centers. And uh, we went to this house. Um, this, uh, this was a home church house. And so there's not a lot of church buildings there. In fact, there's very few. Most of them function as training centers as well. But we went to this house. Um, and we had an opportunity to kind of pray with them and sing and, and do a little bit of teaching. And this lady, towards the end of the service, you can see her in the bottom right, staying up in the red. She stood up. She said, I came to faith in Christ uh, just over about a year ago. And she said, uh, 
when I did that, my husband threatened to beat me if I didn't give up Christianity. And then she said, you know, and if I didn't give up Christianity, at some point it got so bad that he said, if you don't stop this, I'm going to kill you. This was not a part of our arrangement. He threatened her life. He used to beat her, all because she became a Christ follower. And at the end, she stood up and she said, you know what, apart from these few friends that I have encouraging me, these are all the believers that I know. But I'm standing firm in who I am in Christ. And her husband ended up leaving. Um, he moved out. He took everything. And so for her and her position... Um, As a lady in this part of the country, she was on her own. So apart from these believers that she knew, there was no provision, there was no housing, there was no encouragement in her faith. And so she was sharing. And so these people are sitting around her, all part of her church. And so she was in this, they had this, they had given her this little piece of property and this little house. I don't know if you can see it up in the left-hand corner. It got destroyed during the earthquake. And I don't know if you remember, but when the earthquake hit Nepal last year, um, our conference was a part of, and then TTI moved a lot of resources over there. But one of the things that they did was they rebuilt this lady's house. And so not only were we standing in a home church, but we were standing in a house that, had, that God had provided her through a ministry of TTI and, and through the ministry of this church. It was so powerful to hear her story. And we heard story after story after story about that. And so we spent some time in Nepal. I'm driving around. This next video is just going to kind of show you some of the pictures of some of the things that we saw while we were there. We went to churches where people's lives were threatened. We went to churches where people's lives are just, you know, apart from that little body of Christ that they didn't know, knew, know no other believers. I mean, it was absolutely heartbreaking at the same time, but it was so encouraging to see men and women of faith that were experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, a genuine power that not only changed their life, but was changing their communities. And as we were walking around through there, they're just the oppression I mean, there's just, there's, there's, uh, uh, it's just, there's shrines, there's, it's just amazing. I was talking to one guy who uh, we were talking about before he became a Christ follower, had 3,000 different gods that he had to worship. And so he'd take these different offerings to all these different gods depending upon what was going on in his life. It was agricultural or marriage or family or kids or son or weather. They have different gods. He said, I had 3,000 gods. And so when I first heard about Jesus, I thought he was just another god. And as he came to start to read Scripture and understand fully who God was, he understood that he didn't need the other 3,000 gods. He talked about, there is one God that I can serve. There's only one God that I have to please and to serve and to worship, and I know him through Jesus Christ. And as he shared his testimony, it was just, it was powerful to hear somebody sharing in a way that their life had been changed. It was such an encouragement to Eric and I. And so we drove throughout uh, Nepal, just hearing story after story. We had an opportunity to visit different training centers. And so a person will come to faith. Um, they'll get involved in a Bible study. They'll get involved in a small group. They'll start to grow in their faith. They'll start to be invested in and they'll be discipled. And then they start to disciple others. And so these people get together in their homes. And this is all overseen by uh, these different training centers. And so each training center, you would have like a Paul who's investing in 10 or 15 Timothys. Each one of those Timothys has a Titus. Each one of those Tituses is a praying for and inviting and sharing their faith with, in Christ with others around them. And so multiplication is built into everything that they do. And so when they talk about making a faith commitment, they make a faith commitment, they get baptized, they get in a study, they start reading, they start sharing their faith. And it just multiplies exponentially so fast that it is just amazing to see. It's, that's power of multiplication and lives being changed. And as we drove through that, it was such encouragement uh, for us. And so we were in Nepal for several days doing the training and then uh, visiting these different church plants. And then we had an opportunity to head down to um, India. And uh, where we met up with Chandra Prasad, who's in New Delhi. And uh, Chandra, um, I've got a picture of him two years ago. It's funny because he and I were talking and we had this background. We got a picture of him and I uh, today and two years ago. (laughs) So it was really funny just getting to talk with him. This is a picture of he and his wife and his kids. That picture up in the upper left. And so it's funny because I actually had it on my phone, so we got a good chuckle out of it. That's a picture of John Pushbraj came up and met us um, in India. And uh, John was just his, you know, John's from India. That's where his family's from. He was actually there. Uh, His family was there this past summer. And so he came up and uh, helped us kind of navigate through uh, moving throughout India and helping us to make arrangements with the drivers and getting these different places. And so, uh, but then uh, down at the bottom right, uh, last year as a part of our disciple-driven initiative, um, we gave, uh, it cost $300 uh, to plant a church, and we planted three, uh, we planted um, 100 churches. And so for $3,000, um, we've got these churches. But also as a part 
of what we did with TTI is we gave uh, Chandra specifically some money to buy some equipment um, so that he could, uh, so that his computer would start to work so we could start to connect with him. And so it was funny because he and I were talking about Facebook. He's got a Facebook account. <laughs> so a lot of these guys, you know, it's amazing, you know, as, as, as impoverished as it is, uh, they do manage to find uh, the way to technology. And so they do have some cell phones in there. And we saw a satellite dish on one house. In the middle of one of these slum homes, uh, there was a dish network thing. And so everybody in the community got together to get the satellite. So it was kind of, kind of funny. But, but because, of, uh, that don't, uh, because of that ability for us to get his equipment, now we can kind of connect with him uh, through Facebook. And so um, uh, it was just really good to kind of connect with him. And then uh, we spent some time uh, visiting him. And then we went in some of his churches. And so this next video just kind of shows some of the different churches that we were visiting. When I met Chandra two years ago, um, he was exploring and wanting some information about the Timothy Initiative. And so um, one of the um, uh, um, Pauls came and invested in him as a Timothy. And this is a picture of some of the schools, by the way. Um, he runs a school as a principal of the school. Uh, in fact, um, he's a principal primarily. Uh, they've got a couple hundred kids. There's Eric passing out some candy to the kids, and we're visiting some of the classes. Um, this next picture, uh, it was funny because Eric and Chandra were talking one of them's got a picture. No, it's the next one. We'll do it later. There's a picture of Eric. He and Eric connected really well. But um, the school exists, and, and the people leave, let the school exist because um, he's doing a good service for their kids. But he has to be really careful on the pastoral side. And so, yeah, there's a picture of Eric, principal's office. <laughs> yeah, so, so he's a principal, and so he and Eric uh, had a good time uh, connecting with that. Um, but the school gets to exist. The community lets it exist. Uh, because it's servicing so many um, homeless children and, and it's providing a good service for them. Um, it was interesting because one of the things that they had difficulty with is when it, they invite these kids to school, the parents want them to give them money. And so when they invite kids to school, they say, well, I'll send my kid to your school, but you have to give me $10. And so because if you take my kid, then that's my worker. He goes out and he collects plastic and different trash items. And so when a kid goes to school, it takes finances away from the family. And so he is constantly trying to negotiate how to, how to educate these kids. And he said, um, you know, he's planted, uh, he started one church right around from the school, and uh, they tore it down. And um, so he started rebuilding that. And so he had tried to build a uh, church several times, and it just, uh, they kept getting it torn down. And so, but what he's got is he's got these people that he's invested in uh, because uh, he was a Timothy. And so a Paul came alongside of him to train him uh, on on different systematic theology, Old Testament overview, New Testament overview. And so the material they go through trains them to adequately handle the word of God and invest in others. And so uh, right after we met him two years ago, uh, Fred G. John at the time was the regional director, uh, came in and took him through the TTI material. Before they did that, he had to identify two men that he was going to invest in. And so uh, they went through the uh, material together. Um, And as of right now, when we were there, um, Chandra has invested in 15 men, uh, that now have home churches in their community. And then each of those 15 men have 15 guys that they're investing in as well. And so right in this training center that we're out with, with Chandra, in the last two years, we're seeing 30 churches started. So as a part of our uh, financial contribution, we were able to plant 100 churches. Um, we have 30 of them right here uh, in this training center. And that was really neat because at the end of 2014, there was a matching grant program. And so when we gave our finances... That got matched by somebody else that gave a matching grant that got tied to our gift. And so we planted 200 churches in northern India right now. We want to praise God for that. And 30 of them were right here. And so we got a chance to visit. We drove through with uh, Chandra uh, visiting um, all the different churches. And um, it was just um, absolutely um, powerful. So we got to visit um, different um, homes. And so this is a home from one of the ladies that he had met through one of the kids. And so there's a church in that home. We're walking down there. There's a church down there. And so we got a chance to just kind of just walking throughout his community, go to all these different churches. This lady's house, I'm not kidding you, when we walked in, it was about as big. I, I, there's not a room. Uh, it was probably uh, 10 by 10 by 10. That was her house. And it was house on top of house on top of house. And we walked in and that was her, uh, that was where they were meeting. And uh, we had an opportunity to kind of pray for her. And so we just walked through all these different homes, um, just praying for and encouraging uh, these different um, church planters, these different home churches. And uh, it was really um, interesting because we did that for the whole day. And at the end of the day, when we got done, um, Chandra had said, hey, do you have some time? I know you're tired. Do you have some time 
where we could go to uh, visit some different people. Part of these churches is that, that, that need prayer. And so we'd go from homes where they were struggling with physical, mental illnesses, with physical challenges. And so that night for probably about another three or four hours, we just kind of drove around. We'd go up to somebody's home and we'd visit and we'd pray for them. We'd go to another home, visit and pray for them. And it was just such an encouragement. You know, we were completely wiped out. But the power of God was just seeing us through this trip. It was absolutely amazing. One of the men whose home that we went to pray for hadn't been out of bed uh, for several months. He had some serious stomach illnesses. And so when we got there, um, we were um, getting ready to pray for him. They wanted us to wait. Um, and then when we uh, didn't want him to pray yet, and so then other people started showing up. His family started showing up. Some of their neighbors started showing up. And then there was a gentleman that showed up that was kind of, uh, kind of quote-unquote, the governor of their region. Come to find out, he was the reason why the school was existing and one of the reasons why um, Chandra hasn't faced any physical persecution because he's a respected leader in the house and he's a believer. And so God has just used him uh, in this slum area uh, to see these churches flourish. And so when he got there, we had a good opportunity to, um, to talk with him and to pray for him. And, and then we got an opportunity to lay our hands uh, on this, um, this Christ follower and just pray for healing. And it was, the most, um, it was the most powerful experience to pray that God would heal somebody. It's amazing because there's a sense of, you know, God used, as you look throughout the New Testament, um, Jesus... Uh, would heal people and then point them to himself. Healing, point them to himself. Healing, point them to himself. And so all the, all the healing uh, passages throughout the scripture, as you read through the New Testament, all are done for the purpose of pointing people for Christ. It's not about just getting my arm healed for my benefit. Throughout scripture, Jesus healed people so that he, they would know who he was. Which is easier, for you to get up on and, and, and get from this mat and walk or, for, or, or, or to forgive sins so that you can know who I am? Stand up from your mat and walk. So that you can know who I am, be healed. So that you know who I am, you can see. So that you know who I am, your child will be healed. And it's unbelievable to watch these people coming to faith in Christ and the healing is a part of their ministry. And so we'd go from home to home at, every, at the end of every service when we thought the service was about ready to end, you know, we had a prayer gathering here. At the end of our service, we would spend another hour there just praying for people. They would just come and want prayer. And it was, it was interesting because we'd, we'd be late at this church, and so the other church we were supposed to be at, you know, we were an hour late for this one. When we got to this church an hour late, they were just sitting there singing, praying, and waiting for us to show up. And we'd, stand, we'd spend an hour there. And then, and then when we got done... We'd pray for them for another hour. And so this next church would be two hours late for. And I'm thinking, you know, at some point they just canceled the trip, right? We'd get to the next church. They'd be sitting there singing and praying and waiting for us to get there, praising God. And it was just amazing to see the power of God at work in the lives of these young churches. Just the sincerity of their faith and the power of God at work. That's my prayer for our church. That we would experience the power of God that is life-transforming in a sense that lives are changed, God's glorified, the body of Christ is built up all until he returns. You know, it was really exciting for us to be able to uh, spend some time. And, you know, I know, Eric, uh, on this next slide, um, you know, we have some pictures of TTI, but it was so exciting for us to be able to connect with Shonda. So we spent uh, two days in there, and then we had an opportunity to head to um, the new TTI office, so the Timothy Initiative, uh, now has its first office in northern India. And uh, this is uh, uh, Biju. And uh, two years ago when I met Biju, he was a Paul. And so he was a Paul. He had planted many churches himself. He was investing in many church planters. And, uh, uh, and, and now his role is regional director. So, so uh, Biju is now responsible for all of northern India. <laughs> hey, you've done a great job. You've been faithful a little. And he got more. And so um, we've got an opportunity to talk. He's, he's kind of showing us where all the different churches are. We're talking about the activity. And, and uh, it is so encouraging when you get around a man of God that is dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. Just We had a fantastic time talking with him. And then we prayed for his family. And we talked about some of the persecution that he's faced, um, some of the persecution that his family faces. Um, and so we had a good opportunity to pray for him. But it was exciting just to hear him talk about it and be excited about what God's doing in his country. And I just, the whole time I'm listening to that, I'm thinking, God, how do we bring this back? How do we experience that heart for lost people? 
not just about saving as many as we can, but how do we reach people of different ethnicities, different ethnos, different languages, and, and how do we capture that and bring that back? I don't know how to do that. I'm, it's my prayer that when we were going through this, one of the things that Eric and I were talking about was as we prepare for this trip, um, it's not about us just enjoying the trip. It's about what we can learn that we can bring back. How can we share our heart with our church family so that this trip can change us? Because that's what missions is all about. In fact, as I was going through uh, India, there was a passage that just kept coming to mind, just kept coming over and over and over. It comes from the book of Luke, chapter 10. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's invested in them. Towards the end of the ministry, he's, he sends 72 out. I've trained you. He sends them out two by two. He sends the 72 out. And when they come back in Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, it talks about the joy that they're experiencing. In verse 17, it says the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons were submitting to us in your name. And they're telling about, I can just imagine the stories. You would not believe what we saw. You wouldn't believe what happened. And, And just the 72 people experiencing this together and then all sitting in a room together, just talking about the joy of the trip. And I love verse 18. It says, Jesus says, I know. (laughs) I'm in charge of all this. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He says, I have given you authority to do that, to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing is going to harm you. Nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are are written in heaven. You know, it was exciting to be able to see what God was doing, to see this authority, to see this trading. And it's really easy to get excited about a mission trip, but it's not about a mission trip. These aren't home movies. Nevertheless, you know, the, the definition for nevertheless is a reflection of this is true, but nevertheless it's misleading. It's true that you're able to do this, but that's not the point for why I sent you out. That's not the source of your joy. Don't rejoice in what happened. Rejoice that yours, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Rejoice that you have the security in who you are in Christ. Scripture says no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. Rejoice in the fact that God in his good and perfect plan has called you into a, a relationship with himself is cause for rejoice. Let that be your motivation. It is so exciting to, you know, to be a part of what God's doing. And I love the mission trip, but my heart was, how do we capture this? And how do we get excited about who we are in Christ? And what does this look like for our church and for our ministry? And so Eric's going to come out now, and Eric's going to share with you uh, just some of what God had given him. Uh, it was really fun for us to be able to talk about that together uh, and just be able to share this together. But Eric's going to kind of share with you some of the things that he learned and uh, looking forward to it. Thanks. It's nice being in the uh, principal's office. I've been on both sides of that. Um, <laughs> good morning, church. What a beautiful day. Today is a day that football starts. <laughs> Can't hear me. The Packers play. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just use that. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> they shut me off. As Pastor Rich said, my name's Eric Runk, and I'm one of the elders. Before I begin, I just want to thank you for your generous giving. Uh, Your giving has allowed us to minister here in our Jerusalem, in Judea, down at Lawndale, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, places like Nepal and India. And I'm really excited about the direction that our church is headed with an emphasis of making and sending disciples and also equipping all of us to be missionaries, no matter where we're at. When we think of missionaries... We typically think of people working in foreign countries, but it's much more than that. A missionary can be defined as a person sent on a religious undertaking to promote Christianity. And that's us. That's you and me and all of us together 
Our mission fields can be as close as our homes, with our own families, in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, and yes, to the ends of the earth like Nepal and India. When Pastor Rich asked me to speak this Sunday, he asked me to talk about some of the main takeaways. And as, if, as you've seen through this, uh, some of these videos, there were lots of takeaways. So you're going to be here all afternoon. <laughs> Before I talk about some of them, if you would, please t- turn to 2 Timothy 1.4. A good soldier of Christ Jesus, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Second Timothy may have been the last letter that Paul wrote while he was locked away in a Roman prison. The letter was written to a young Timothy who was leading the church in Ephesus. Believers in Timothy's church had lost their focus on Christ, and Christians came under increasing persecution from the Romans. Pressures were great for them to abandon their faith. So you may be asking, what does this passage have to do with the trip to Nepal and India? Well, back to the takeaways. While in Nepal and India, I observed a group of faithful men titled Pauls committed to learning and teaching the gospel to their Timothys, who in turn trained their Tituses, through the process of the Timothy Initiative. You helped fund that. I saw the body of Christ multiplied through the process of disciples making disciples. I witnessed givers, not takers, people that have very little in terms of abundant resources, giving everything to feed, clothe, house, and educate orphans trafficked girls, and untouchables. I met previously unreached peoples, people who, as far as anyone had known, had never heard of Jesus Christ. I talked with men that had given up everything or had lost everything to follow Christ and were willing to give their lives, if needed, to reach the unreached. And it broke my heart to observe a lost people worshiping cows, monkeys, and other Hindu idols. Second Timothy 4 states, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And that's Jesus Christ. Since coming back to the States, I think back on our trip with fondness, and a passion to return. And I also ask myself, what did I learn? I learned a lot. I learned that spreading the gospel of Christ is worthy of our full commitment. I learned that the Christian life and ministry are difficult at times, no matter where you are, in the U.S., in Nepal, and India, and that we must persevere I learned that abundant resources can keep me or us from fully depending on God. I learned that I must be a giver to use my gifts and my resources and not a taker. I learned to pray that God breaks my heart for what breaks his. And I remember what Jesus said in Mark 16:5 to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. If you would please pray with me. Father God, we are gathered here today to worship you. We thank you for equipping us to do the work in which you call us. And as missionaries, we pray that as the body of Christ, 
that you will open doors and soften hearts that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. We pray for boldness and witness and that the Holy Spirit will provide us the words to effectively communicate with others in our own language and in theirs. We pray against the evil forces that would seek to hinder the spread of the gospel in the U.S. and around the world. We pray that you keep missionaries safe, especially in those countries that seek to hurt them. We pray that you will change the hearts of those that are resistant to your word. We pray for continued support from the body of believers like Springbrook Community Church. We pray for your provision and guidance. And we pray that this body of believers will keep all missionaries, including themselves, on prayer list. And we ask all these things, Father, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Eric, thanks for sharing. And uh, thanks for your services on the Elder Board. I know you guys uh, play a very important role, praying for our church, setting the direction for our ministry. And so thanks for, uh, for all you're doing. Thanks for going on the trip, man. Hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for his possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out, out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. If you are a Christ follower, you are a part of the royal priesthood. God has called you out of darkness into the light to proclaim the excellencies of him. That's why we exist. That's why the body of Christ exists. That's why we have a relationship with Christ. That's what God has for us when he called us into a relationship. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Things don't happen by accident. We don't choose a relationship with Jesus Christ. God calls us into a relationship with Christ to accomplish his plans and his purposes, to proclaim his excellencies, and to do the work that he has prepared in advance for us to do. And so this morning I can tell you statistically, that there are people here that do not have a relationship with Christ. Maybe you have questions about it. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while. There are people that do not have a relationship with Christ, and there's people that don't. And it's one or the other. And so, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment, and we're going to pray. And uh, I'm going to ask that the Spirit of God would draw you into a relationship with Himself. If you cannot say that with certainty that you know you have a relationship with Christ then the Spirit of God will call you into that relationship. And you can choose to hear that calling, or you can choose to continue to put it off while you wait for more information or whatever that step is that, that you need. Whatever that step is, I want to encourage you to allow God to pull you one step closer. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you uh, that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives, that we are not here by accident. But, God, that we have been predetermined, foreordained, called in a relationship with you to proclaim your excellencies and to do the work that you prepared in advance for us to do. And, God, thank you for this body of Christ, for the way that you have provided for it, for the opportunity that we have to be salt and light in this community, that others might come to know Christ uh, through you, and to make disciples, God, that we may be equipped for the mission that you've called God, I just thank you for this work here. I just pray that you would draw each of us close to yourself. And I want to invite you to, um, to keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. And if you cannot say with certainty this morning that you have a relationship with Christ, then today you can have that and you can clear that question up. Jesus Christ is God. He died on the cross for our sins. And by placing our faith in him and believing that he was risen from the grave on that third day, 
and asking Him to come into our life and take control. He's not just our Savior. He's our Lord. We give Him control. And we can ask Him to come in and take control of our lives. And to the best of your ability, you can ask Him into your heart this morning. And So just pray this after me. Father, I believe that you're God, that you died on the cross for my sins. I want to ask you today to clear up this question about whether I am a Christ follower or not. I want to ask you to come into my life and take control of God as best as I know how. Today I want to commit my life to you for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. If you took that, uh, if you prayed that with me this morning, then today becomes the day that you became a Christ follower. And so God is beginning a good work in you. And we've got opportunities for you to continue to grow. Um, on the inside of your program, there was uh, uh, an insert. Uh, it's got some information about opportunities for first serves. And so you can fill that out. Um, God has prepared you in advance to do the work. And a part of that work is and that power is manifested in where you serve in ministry. And so you can fill that out. And then I also just want to let you know that we have um, our uh, um, new series coming up. It starts uh, September 25th. Life on Mission. And we're each going to have an opportunity to hear about what God's mission is for us here at Springbrook, individually and collectively together as a church. And so we're going to be kicking that off on the 25th. And today is open enrollment for those small groups. And so if you are interested in getting connected to a small group to go through this study together, today is the day to do that. So for the next two weeks, we're going to be meeting with our leadership team today after the class. All of our small group leaders are going to be getting together. We're going to be talking about the resources and the materials. And we are praying for people to get connected and join a small group. So you can go to our website, springbrook.org, slash sign up. All of our small groups are listed there. If you can't find one, then you can just give us your contact information, and we will help you uh, to find a group. But I want to ask you not to miss out on this series, Life on Mission. God is going to do some amazing uh, work in and through us together. I'm really excited about it, and I'm excited about um, Dan uh, teaching on that message. It's going to be a great series. Why don't you stand? Um, let's sing this last song together.